You know, there's three words that I feel like adults, well-meaning adults, we frequently tell kids, and that's follow your dreams. And we absolutely should say that. And you, you know, you should chase your passions. It's important to do what you're passionate about. But there are three words that are equally as important that I feel like we need to be emphasizing to kids, and that's learn to adapt. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast where we shift your WTF moments into WTL moments and learn together how to transform your life and relationships through social-emotional learning. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, social-emotional learning experts and the co-founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. In each episode, we'll explore the five competencies of SEL, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making, and share practical tips, stories, and strategies for building these skills in ourselves and others. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just looking to improve your own social-emotional well-being, this podcast is for you. Join us as we navigate the exciting and sometimes challenging world of SEL and discover the power that emotional intelligence has to transform our lives and communities. Welcome back to the show, everyone. What's the lesson where Jill and I, either on solo episodes with one another or with guests riding along, turn all of our WTF moments, you know the expletive that I'm talking about, that into four word. that four-letter word. Maybe it's not your favorite one because food is, but maybe it's your second favorite one. <laughs> we try to turn all those WTF moments into WTL moments. So what's the lesson? Because realistically, there's a lesson that can be derived from any situation in life. And more often than not, it's very easy to have a victim mentality of why did this happen to me as opposed to flipping it and asking yourself, why did it happen for me? Because generally speaking, something else is going to pop up in your life that was very similar to what you just went through. And you can use that experience to help you get through it more efficiently, more effectively the next time around. Um, so, hey, Jill, Hi. how are you? So good. I love listening to the intro. It always regrounds me back into why we do this podcast. We can derive lessons to help us grow in our leadership in order for us to grow with ourselves in our relationships. And it really helps us develop and flex the, our, our skills around social emotional learning. That's what this podcast is all about. However, it takes work. It, it takes, takes practice. Work. Well, and that's a perfect intro to our guest today because we really got into the work we do, yes, individually with our own personal growth and development, but we were introduced to social emotional learning like I don't know, a few months prior to actually kicking off girls mentorship and not necessarily deciding that that was going to be the basis of our curriculum moving forward. But the second we started our business, we got introduced to a nonprofit in Scottsdale called Not My Kid. And with Not My Kid came all of their incredible employees. And we're staring at one of them on the other side of the screen right now. Um, if you're not driving, I say this all the time, please put your hands together for the one and only Shane Watson, who we're so excited to have an incredible conversation with today because he's a wealth of knowledge in terms of second chances, comeback, substance use, addiction, um, mentorship, transparency, 
healthy coping skills and hope. And that is the basis of social emotional learning, right? Don't get used to who I used to be because I can change the person that I was into somebody new by adhering these new skills to my current lifestyle. It's it's self-awareness, it's social awareness, it's redoing relationship skills. There's so many golden nuggets that can be taken from social emotional learning. And that is where we got to meet Shane, what feels like four score and seven years ago, but that it was really only two and a half years ago. So Shane, welcome to the show. So thankful for you being a guest today. Thank you so much for letting me be here. Wow. How do I follow that? Like I was feeling the spirit move me over here. That is quite an intro. <laughs> spirit, I'm so amen. glad to be here. Uh, it, I'm excited to talk to you. I think there's so many things that we could talk about and uh, I, I want to find out where we're going to head first. Oh, we love having conversations around. We always like to say like, with our guests, we want you to feel like you're at our house or we're catching up over breakfast or brunch or grabbing a cup of coffee. So this is going to feel so good to reconnect because as much, yes, we met you when you were working at Not My Kid, and then you made a really bold decision to leave, to, to start something on your own. And we can really get into that in a moment. But before we, we talk about all of the goods, can you just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, so that we can get to know you a little bit more? I've noticed, uh, it's interesting that you ask, you know, who you are. I've noticed that I got into the habit for a number of years. When somebody asked me who I am, I started with what I do. And I realized yeah. I'm more than what I do. Now, what I do is a big part of who I am. It's important. Uh, but who I am, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a son. I am a friend. And I think that's even more at the core of me than what I do. Now, moving out from that, I am an individual in long-term recovery, uh, now 11 years as of last November, 11 years sober. And I'm somebody that uses the experience that I have not only as a professional, a paraprofessional in mental health for 10 years, but as somebody who went through a number of personal experiences related to not only substance use, but other behavioral and mental health challenges as a platform to reach those who ideally haven't started down that path yet, if we can get them early, that's even better than trying to play catch up. Or I also use my platform as someone who can talk to those who are in the midst of those challenges and those struggles. And it is amazing to be that person that sometimes is the first person to tell someone you have value, you have worth, the decisions that you've made don't define you. You can come back from this. There is a path out of here. And so that's kind of a nutshell version of uh, what is a very long story, but that's uh, that's my summary. I mean, it's gold. It's gold because so often people think that who they were or the actions that they took then define them for the rest of their life. And I think that a lot of that is a societal belief and pressure on you that you can't change your spots, right? But before we hit record, we were doing a little catch up. We hadn't talked in a little while. So it was the, the quick and dirty, here's where we are, here's where you are. And we said something around starting a business, right? And how alluring it was. And it's like the in love phase, but now we're in like the love phase. That's a little harder to keep momentum. And we've got to pivot and we've got to continually check in with ourselves and ask whether or not 
we're still in line with the mission that we set out to conquer when we first started this business. And you said you really loved that because that was one of the things, the questions that you asked yourself as to why you made the decision you made a few years back to pivot. So you had worked um, with youth mental health, not my kid focuses on youth and drug prevention, alcohol prevention, violence prevention. How long had you done that particular work for? I was with Not My Kid for nine years on the dot. And uh, what an amazing nine-year opportunity that was. I don't need to tell you, you work with Not My Kid. I don't need to tell you what kind of life-changing and life-saving work that they do there. So I was with them for nine years. During those nine years, I had the opportunity to do more than 600 speaking engagements throughout the United States. I'd say about two-thirds of those speaking to parents, speaking to adults, and then about a third of those speaking to youth. Uh, what a ride that was, nine years at Not My Kid. So I love that you gave us, okay, so you spoke to parents and you spoke to kids. Out of both of those demographics, what, what was the one thing that you learned speaking to parents and that you also learned speaking to teenagers? The thing that I learned speaking to parents was that the name that Not My Kid chose for the organization was very apropos because it's that cliche that a lot of parents get into. You know, I know a lot of kids out there are using drugs, but not my kid. I know a lot of kids are be behaving unsafely on social media, but my son, my daughter, my child would never do that. And sometimes I would even have a parent come to a presentation and in the early conversation before I would start my speaking engagement, I could tell based on the dialogue with them, they felt like this is going to be handy information, but I don't know if we need this. What was powerful is by the end of those presentations, you would see that demeanor change to not the naivete of not my kid, but the resolve of, no, I'm going to go home and do everything within my power to make sure that it is not my child doing this. We are going to establish that communication. I'm going to listen to them when they speak to me. I'm going to look for those nonverbal signs. We are going to do what we can do to change that. And so I loved seeing that pivot from the, you know, the naivete to the resolve. What I learned from uh, my work with kids out there was really encouraging. Unfortunately, any demographic, I feel we always see the worst of that demographic in the news. And when we see news stories about youth, a lot of times it's a tragedy or it's a bullying incident or something like that. What I learned from having conversations firsthand with preteens and teens is there are amazing, brilliant, strong, incredible kids out there who are doing wonderful things every single day. And so it encouraged me when they would come up to me after my presentations and have a one-on-one -on -one dialogue with me to learn from them. They taught me as much as I taught them when I was out there sharing my story. So those were probably the first two things that would come to mind um, from those two demographics. And so it was fun getting the chance to speak to both. I love that because so you're right. You're so right. We peg kids as those darn teenagers. They're always getting into trouble. They're always doing this. They're always doing that. And firsthand experience speaks volumes over perception any day of yep. the week, right? You don't know the importance of it unless you're actually in the work. 
or else you're just a bystander pointing fingers, asking for things to get better and not actually contributing to the result that you want Mm. to have happen. And I feel like that is so poignant for where we are in 2023, where the overarching theme is younger millennials and Gen Z, they just don't want to work. They're so lazy. They're so into their phones. They can't look up. They can't have a conversation when the reality is this is the next generation of leaders, right? It's the next generation of lawmakers and doctors and change makers and policy makers. And we're pointing a finger instead of reaching out a hand. And that's detrimental because it causes such a divide between generations. And we've seen that forever, right? Oh, you baby boomers. Oh, you this. Oh, you that. It's like Mm -hmm. we could learn so much from one another, right? Kids nowadays are wizards on their phones. And social media doesn't have to be this thing that's big and scary. We can use it for good. We have used it for good. But they need the direction. They need the guardrails. And they need everybody to be on board. Mm -hmm. So I think the picture you just painted of that firsthand experience is so beautiful in terms of getting people to open up their eyes and figure out that it just takes a little bit, right? Put out your hand instead of pointing your finger. Mm-hmm. And one more thing I would add, by the way, and you reminded me of this when, with what you were just saying. Another thing that I gathered from working with youth and talking to youth is a lot of them feel like adults don't genuinely listen to them. And I think that that's so crucial if we are going to prevent suicides, if we are going to prevent unsafe online behavior, if we are going to make it clear to these kids, I am a safe person for you to come and talk to, we need to make it abundantly clear to them. We are hearing what they are actually saying. We are not hearing some preconceived idea that we have in our head. And so something you said and what you just said reminded me of that as well. And you're absolutely right. As generations, we can learn from each other. If we walk into an interaction with someone saying, this person can't teach me anything because they fall in this demographic, we've already lost that opportunity to gather the experiences and the information and the inspiration that we might other, otherwise gather from that person, we can learn from everybody. You guys, have you heard that we're hosting a summer camp? Listen, you can go to a summer camp that kills time or you can attend a camp that leverages it. This summer, we aim to empower and inspire young women to pursue more. More confidence, more positive friendships, more community impact, more dreams and aspirations, more self-honoring and healthy habits. To explore more camp options, go to girlsmentorship.com. We can't wait to see you there. Agreed. And you sharing those takeaways reminded me of why we started this business, because we were able to see girls as able and capable where before it was like oh my gosh we would never work with girls because we were them and we just have heard that girls are hard so we were adopting what society has taught us from our own personal experiences and what happened when we actually opened ourselves up to taking on the work of developing girls as leaders was that they they blow our minds 
they blow our minds. They are hungry for change and they want the change. They want to be in these conversations. So on the flip side of it, and I know you've been with that dichotomy of parents and kids, you also have to speak to the parents to say, Hey, they want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to, they want to feel loved. They want to feel supported. So creating that safe space to be a safe adult for these kids is crucial. Well, and one of my favorite sayings, I don't know where I heard it or I'd credit who said it, but it's the concept that yes, your kids are kids and they're going to need those soft arms to land in. They're also going to need some direction and guardrails and, and discipline, but we're not raising kids. We're not, we're raising adults. So if we're not listening to them, what we're teaching them is that nobody else is going to listen to them as they age their, their woes, their worries, what they're anxious, what they're depressed about doesn't matter if when they're 25 years old, they're, they can't go to their boss and say anything because their parents didn't showcase that what they actually felt or what they were feeling in in a moment mattered. And being dismissive of someone's challenges and their own genuine experience, that's something that can get really dangerous. Just because we look sometimes as adults, we look at kids' challenges through the lens of adulthood. And we think that, you know, we have adult problems. We have adult challenges. (laughs) I have to pay the bills. I have to pay the mortgage. I have to do all this. And it becomes far too easy to look at a teen's problems. And I've heard some parents say this very phrase, what do you, what do you have to be worried about? What, what, what problems do you actually have? And we need to take ourselves back. Never forget what it was like to be, let's say, a high school freshman. Your face is breaking out. Your hormones are fluctuating. There's that girl you like, that guy you like. You're trying to make the football team, the volleyball team. Mom and dad want straight A's and you're not quite getting them. You don't have the self-identity and self-confidence you have now as an adult. That to a preteen or teen is no less real than our challenges are to us. And so it's so important for us when they come to us with that to tell them, thank you. I'm so glad that you told me that. I can tell that that's really difficult for you. And if we validate that and we have that empathy and that respect, that tells them immediately, you know what? I'm going to come to this person the next time that I have a challenge. And, And that is everything right there. Well, God, and something I just want to dive a little deeper into what you just said. We kids don't have the self-identity we have as adults. And I would venture to say that's half of adults' problems is we also don't have a self-identity because it wasn't established as a kid. So we're still yearning for certain things that we didn't get when we were kids and we're still lacking or completely lagging in those skills, right? That make us judge, that make us point a finger, that make us compare, that make us feel not enough. It's all those things that we lacked or just didn't get any any part of when we were teenagers that make us into the adults that also then don't know how to turn around and give back to the younger, their younger selves. Mm-hmm. The adults that I work with, whether professionally or personally, when I see the challenges that they are dealing with in adulthood, I would say somewhere around 80 to 90% of the root causes of those challenges that they are dealing with in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s tie into issues that began in childhood, abuse, neglect, or like you said, never being taught, how do I find my identity? Who am I? You know, what, what is this all about here? And that continues to echo decades later. It doesn't just randomly go away on its own. And that's why I love so much that you work with the age that you work with, because if you can build that strong foundation now, you're not just building healthy kids. You're building, as you said, healthy adults. 
and down the road that makes all the difference in the world. And they can be generational curse breakers. Like it can stop with them. And I love that um, you have shifted now to really focusing with adults. So it's really cool to hear because I, Mary and I, we, we like to push back when people are like, well, I'm just, I am who I am. I'm old now. <laughs> and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, that's such a, a, a mindset. It's a, it's a lack mindset. It's a scarcity. Mindset. Your brain isn't calcified. It's yes. still malleable. You know, oh, yeah. when parents are like, when parents are like, oh, Snapchat, like I'm a dinosaur. And it's like, what if you just got inquisitive or curious or shifted your mindset around exploring what that is, you can really be in a cool conversation with your kid. But I say that because we hear it all the time. You can't teach a dog new tricks. And we like to push back on that because mm -hmm. parents, especially because what we've seen in the years of us doing this work is that things are caught, not taught. So when girls are struggling and parents are like, hey, help, we need your help. And we really start to unpack what's going on and how she's feeling. It's like, well, hang on. She learned this somewhere. So we, we then have to approach a, a different conversation with the parents around, okay, well, talk to us a little bit more about this. So the fact that you also help with adults see their blind spots or go back to when they were children so that they can start developing this new self of awareness and um and and take action around what it is and who it is that they want to be is really cool so thank you for helping us bust that myth that you you can't teach a dog or an old dog new tricks you totally can but talk to us a little bit more about the shift from you left not my kid to now what are you currently up to and doing what's the work that you're doing now i am laying the foundation of something that's going to allow me to take all of the knowledge and experience i gained at not my kid all of the knowledge and experience i gained personally over the years with my own struggles and use it to continue to educate people adults on mental health, ideally preventatively, but also in with a little bit of focus on intervention as well. People are currently in the midst of those struggles. Doing peer support for individuals who are in recovery, not only from substance use, but other mental and behavioral health challenges. Working as a mentor, as someone who has gone down that path, guiding individuals as a type of coach, people who are saying, I'm not in recovery, but I want to be, or I am in recovery and it's not working for me. So I'm laying the groundwork of that right now. Now I left not my kid almost exactly a year ago. The reason why that I'm talking about this venture in future tense, I'm saying I'm laying the groundwork is what another reason why I left not my kid is um, I lost my aunt about a little bit over a year ago. She passed away and I took a look at my family as a whole and I specifically looked at my parents and I asked myself, how much time do I have left with my parents? And family is so crucial to me. And what I have been doing is this last year is I've been making the most of the time that I have with my parents. I've been spending extra time with my wife, been spending extra time with my daughter. But while I'm doing that, I am putting the pieces in place 
to launch this endeavor formally, officially, hopefully in the not too distant future. So I'm going to continue educating on mental and behavioral health. I'm going to be doing peer support for adults. There will be a podcast. There will be vlogs. It's going to be very comprehensive. And then the other thing is I'm beginning to flesh out an outline and I'm seriously considering writing a book about my experiences. I've had so many people over the years say, you really need to do that. And I, I feel like I may actually move forward with that sometime in the near future. I mean, your your trials, your tribulations are somebody else's survival guide. So it's really cool to think about your life as a legacy in terms of how much a book would then help so many other people struggling with exactly what you've struggled with. Also, before we hit record, we were talking about, you know, what happens when life throws you a curveball and it doesn't go as you expected and you have to pivot or you have to change. There's been a couple of points what I've derived from this conversation thus far, as well as knowing you, there's obviously been a couple of points in your life where you've had to pivot and and things didn't go exactly as you thought, which will lend itself beautifully to this future book that you are going to write. We're, we're manifesting. Oh, that I'm for looking you. at it. I'm looking at a bestseller author oh. right here. 100%. <laughs> so you struggled with substance abuse. When you were in it, I'm assuming you probably didn't think that you were going to get out of it. You mentioned family. I'm assuming they were also a really big piece of you making that decision to say, this isn't me anymore and I need to seek out the help that I need to pivot away from this lifestyle. Was it a similar like dialogue for you to let go of nine years worth of work working with youth and really educating there as it was to the decision you made earlier in life to pivot from a totally different person? That is a very good question. I don't know if anyone has asked me that yet. Yes, uh, you know, making the decision to quit drinking and using, that's a tough thing, especially when I was going down that path for close to two decades, about ages 16 to 36, as I was drinking using during that period. That's a tough transition. It was equally challenging, but in very different ways to make that choice to move on from Not My Kid after nine years. That was not an easy decision. A lot of thought, a lot of prayer, a lot of dialogue with my family went into that. And that's something where it was the first job I ever had that didn't feel like a job. It felt like a calling. I went to bed and I said to myself at the end of the day, what we did today mattered. Now, if you look at my resume prior to Not My Kid, I worked at amazing companies with wonderful people and was successful at those things. But at the end of the day, I would ask myself, is this what I was put on this planet to do? And the answer was never yes. And I always felt like there's something else out there that I'm supposed to be doing. And when I found not my kid, it was like, this is it. And for those nine years, it became such a fundamental part of my life. There's three things that people have referred to me as in recent years. Number one, they call me Anna's dad. Anna's my daughter. And so I'm most definitely Anna's dad. They called me the record guy because I buy a whole lot of records, have a massive music collection. And they called me the <laughs> not my kid guy. And so when I left, not only was it a tough decision, there were people outside of family that I explained it to who kind of had this cognitive dissonance where they were like, no, but you can't. Like, you're the guy. You're the guy. Yeah, yeah, that's you. You're the not my kid guy. And so 
it was a challenging decision. And it's been really kind of strange for this last year to not be out doing what I did for so long. But I felt like I did what I was supposed to do while I was there. I learned what I was supposed to learn. I helped whom I was supposed to help. And it's it's that launch to that next level now. I'm absolutely going to take everything that I learned there and continue to incorporate it. As a matter of fact, backing up just a little bit, even though I have not formally launched this next thing that I'm doing, not a week goes by without me helping someone with a mental or behavioral health challenge that they are going through, a spouse, a parent, a coworker, like I have people reaching out to me all the time. And it's just that, you know, there's not a contract to sign. There's not any money changing hands or things like that. So I'm actually on to the next thing. So that's a very long answer to a short question. But yes, it was it was a challenge to make that decision and to move on. And family was incredibly supportive in allowing me to make that leap. It just speaks to the transferable skills, right? You don't think that overcoming some sort of substance abuse issue, like the skills that you utilize in making that decision would be useful anywhere else. But realistically, it's a challenge that you overcame. It was giving yourself permission to a, a tiger can't change its stripes. Yes, it can. It absolutely can. We're not stuck. We're not a tree, right? You uprooted and you said, this isn't for me anymore. So it speaks so highly to just the skills that you've acquired along the way through both good times and bad times in your life. And I want to say that you gave yourself a second chance. And that doesn't mean I mean, we can evolve and change and become whoever it is that we want to. And actually who's holding us back or who usually is self-sabotaging us is us. So what I want our listeners to hear in what you just shared, Shane, is that you can take a chance at any time, whether it be you know, healthy or unhealthy, like you were at rock bottom when you decided to make a change, you gave yourself a second chance. And on on the healthier side of it, you were at this crossroads where you were loving your job, you were in a good place, you were comfortable, but you said, you know what? There's something more in me and I want to also spend as much time as I have left with my family. Leaving a comfortable job, leaving you know, the identity that people really labeled you as, and you had to start again. You've you've had to really evolve and grow and change over this last year to form a new identity. And, and how beautiful for all of us listening, because we have a lot of parents listening. I'm a parent myself. And we wear this title of mom or dad with a with a badge of honor, and I'm I, I do too. But sometimes when our kids leave the house at 18, we look at our spouse or ourselves, and we're like, "Well, who am I? And now what?" And people get so stuck around like, "I don't know how to change. I don't know how to adapt. I don't know how to. I don't I don't know where to start again." And you are a beautiful example of of giving people permission to do so well and how easy is it to stay comfortable obviously a when we're comfortable but when other people are like what are you doing you're the not my kid guy that's that ties into what you had said that we were saying before you hit record earlier about adapting 
You know, there's three words that I feel like adults, well-meaning adults, we frequently tell kids, and that's follow your dreams. And we absolutely should say that. You know, you should chase your passions. It's important to do what you're passionate about. But there are three words that are equally as important that I feel like we need to be emphasizing to kids, and that's learn to adapt. And we should be teaching them how to adapt. We should be modeling that. We should not only be instructing them, they should see us being able to pivot because life is going to throw us curveballs. Relationships will end. Friendships will end. You will move on from jobs and unexpected things will happen. We know that that's going to happen. And so one of the biggest things for me in my social and emotional growth in recovery has to do with not overreacting or not even reacting that word react, when something doesn't go as planned, working on pausing, evaluating, and responding rather than reacting to that. Oh, amen. We, we are clubbing. We spend so much time on the concept of responding versus reacting. And it's so difficult because it's a learned behavior, right? You see it in movies, you hear it in music, you see it in your household. Like this is how it's supposed to be, right? I spill the milk, mom flies off the handle. That's what I've known my entire life. So now when I'm a mom, I'm gonna fly off the handle when the milk gets spilled because it's what I learned. And it's so difficult to take a habit, something that's ingrained, programmed in us, stop, reflect on that, ask where the hell it come from, came from and if it's serving us and then redo it. Mm -hmm. However, I want this to be permission for you to stop and do that in your life because there's probably several areas where the way you're showing up is not serving you. And you have to be able to go back to yourself every time and ask the question of, am I doing the right thing? Am I still on track? Is my mission still what my mission is? Mm. Yes, that's very specific to us, but find yourself in the story because a decision that you make to stop using drugs, stop drinking, could send you into a trajectory of the best thing that ever happened in your life, but you'll never know unless you ask yourself that question. And I'm imagining you've asked yourself a lot of questions over your life in terms of, you just said it, like you worked an incredible amount of jobs before going to Not My Kid, but that was a calling. And what has that led to, right? We we read the questions on your on your bio and I was like, oh, I've, I've been here. I've, I've done over 600 presentations. Your legacy still lives on at Not My Kid. We still hear about you in the hallways. People still look community. to the presentations that you've given. Like that's an incredible legacy. And you've asked yourself if that was it. The answer was no. And that is goosebump worthy. When you talk about asking yourself questions and you were saying that I was asking myself the questions, you know, is this still the thing for me? Should I move on and whatever? That reminds me, by the way, you know, with this overarching theme that you have on your show of social and emotional learning, asking yourself those questions ties into me, for me, to what I think personally for me is the most important facet of social and emotional learning and social and emotional health. And that's that self-awareness component is even being aware. And a lot of times it becomes so easy for us. And you talked about getting comfortable. We get comfortable. We get on autopilot. We're just flying along and we're not doing those check-ins with ourselves to see, is this still the thing that I'm passionate about? Is this still what I should be spending the rest of my life doing? And so 
you know, without that self-awareness component, I feel like the other pieces of social and emotional learning kind of almost for me hinge on that. If I'm not self-aware, how can I be socially aware? If I'm not aware of what I'm feeling, how can I manage those feelings? If I'm not aware of how I'm coming to, across to people, how can I have healthy relationships? And so I'm so glad that you talked about asking yourself questions because that's something that I still do today. I am very much a work in progress. Every day I am still growing and I'm still learning and you know I still make mistakes and I have to show myself that grace. But you talking about asking yourself questions, I think that's a habit that everyone should get into. Well, and I'm I'm just going to pause really quickly because you said you had a 10-year-old daughter. So I feel like this is a perfect time to just promote our programs are for 10 to 13-year-old girls. And you're absolutely right. The basis of our, of our entire program, the foundation is self-awareness because mm -hmm. you're right. There's a crazy statistic out there um, that we stumbled upon in, in really developing our curriculum that says, 80% of people are walking around unaware or unaware that they're unaware. And it makes sense, right? There's the people that don't use their blinker. There's the people that don't put their shopping carts away. Like, you know the people. And if you don't know the people, you're probably one of the people. Just, I'm gonna throw that out there. <laughs> and our audience will probably know that we're gonna say this. It takes practice to be that, but you have to start somewhere. And the perfect place to start is to start asking yourself questions. Mm -hmm. And I love, I'm just gonna, you said you're a work in progress. We just hosted a workshop this last, Saturday and we taught the girls. We truly did. Mary has this incredible acronym. We say that you are a whip and not like a WHIP, but a, a work in progress. And at the end of the workshop, we always gather their takeaways or what was the one thing that you're going to practice? And resoundingly, they were like, we're whips. We are work in progress. And then we were like, oh my gosh, yes. And at 10 or 12 or 14 to learn that, that they are works in progress. And that's how they can evaluate and really go within to question things and pivot or bounce back from failure or challenges. What a beautiful gift that we gave them. So the fact that you also said that, I was like, yes, Shane, we are on the same wavelength. So thank you. I just had to call that out because we're so proud. We're so proud to teach these girls like we've been talking about this whole time at a younger, at a younger age to set the foundation for being successful in their lives a lot sooner, truly. And as we as we start to wrap this conversation up, I want to go back to the fact that you're a dad and you have a 10 year old daughter mm -hmm. and the the title of our podcast is what's the lesson so being that you have so much life experience in such a well-rounded way right you've been to the lowest of the lows you've been to the highest of the highs and you're moving through it to another figurative and literal chapter dimension what's like your resounding wtl moment for your daughter What's the one, I know there's a ton of advice and you do such a good job of storytelling your life on social media of her little lessons and just the way she got dressed. And I just, I love tuning in with you as a dad because it's so fun to see it through that lens. But what is the one thing that you would want her to know based on your life experience? What's, what's your WTL moment? Love, treating yourself with love and grace 
treating others with love and grace and empathy and dignity and respect, letting her know that she is loved, modeling that for her. That is the foundation of the solution to so many of the problems that we face in life. When we see hate, when we see violence, when we see tragedy, and we trace that back to the root of that, and we see that lack of empathy, and we see that lack of love, letting her know how much I love her and letting her know how important it is that she treats others with dignity and respect, and then modeling that for her in the way that I interact with other people. You know, there's a great book called um, Start With Why. And if I trace it back and I can, I could write a paragraph on my why, I could narrow that down to a sentence. And if I'm narrowing it down to one concept, to one word, it's love. You know, love your neighbor. What what does love your neighbor looking look like? You know, it looks like treating people with dignity and respect. And it's, it's such a simple concept. You know, it, it, it's it's such a basic thing. But if we really look at that, that is the answer. That is the solution. If we are treating people kindly, with love, with dignity, with respect, we are not going to see many of the things that we're seeing growing in society. And so just emphasizing to her that she is worthy of love and it's important to, for other people that she treats them with that as well. And one more extra thing that I've taught her and she's taught me, don't take yourself too seriously. I take what I do seriously, but one of the great things about being a dad is just being silly and being able to laugh and being able to just have a good time I went through some very dark times, but I never lost my sense of humor. And um, if I ever lose my sense of humor, I'm in trouble. So love and don't take yourself too seriously. I think that's a pretty good balance between the two there. Both incredible, incredible lessons. And just one thing that I want to quickly call out, and Mary and I say this often, is common knowledge is not common practice. So as much as we know that love is so, yes, it's such a, we all should love one another. We all should love ourselves, but we don't practice it enough. So what a great reminder when you are in a, in a tough place in your parenting or professionally or personally, that it's like, where can you pause self-reflect and, you know, not take yourself too seriously. I think it kind of blends really beautifully together. So both of those things are so important to, ca or to, to call out because they're not practiced enough. Mm -hmm. I would totally agree. Well, and whether you read the Bible or not, everybody knows the scripture, love thy neighbor as you love yourself. And that's where we lack. We don't love ourselves and it turns on to other people and it turns on to us not loving other people because we have an inability to do it ourselves. So I think that's a beautiful call out and such a beautiful way to not only call it out, but call people up. I want to call people up who are listening to this because it's very easy to listen to it and not implement it. But ask yourself, we challenge you to ask yourself questions about how you are showing up, not only for the people in your life, but the most important person in your life, which is you. How are you showing up in that? Are you showing up in that? And if you're not, can you make a pivot? Because we're never too old. It's not too late. We're never too young. We get to decide. And 
our life isn't on autopilot. So don't pretend that it is. Make that choice. Make that change because you deserve it and the people in your life deserve it. So Shane, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your WTF moments because they are such beautiful lessons. It's not out yet, so we can't tell our listeners about it. But as soon as that book releases, we'll be on it. But is there a place that people can find you if they want more information on who you are and what you could be for them? Yeah, there will be a domain names uh, very soon. As a matter of fact, I've purchased four domain names within the last year and I keep changing my mind. So I'm going to need to narrow that down. But something where they can consistently reach me is uh, my email address. It's silverladder, S-I-L-V-E-R-L-A-D-D-E-R at gmail.com. It'll go right to my phone. If any of your listeners, if they have a question, a concern, if I can be of support, if I can share knowledge, if they have a question about my experience, any way that I can be of support and be of help, I am absolutely happy to do that. So feel free to email me at silverladder at gmail.com. And there will be a much more official domain name and email address coming in the near future when I finally make up my mind regarding what the name is going to be. That's <laughs> so good. We get the struggle there. We have several domain names ourselves. So with that, everyone, thank you for tuning in. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave us a rating or a review on your local podcast platform. We would be so grateful. It's too good not to share. Other people need to hear about it. So we will see you on the next episode of What's the Lesson? Take care, everyone. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in with us. If you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one of the following ways. By sharing this episode with a friend or tagging us on your social media, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review, or by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Geneva for girls and parents in the show notes. This is a place where we exchange ideas, post questions, and provide support to each other. Until next time, you guys, remember, being able to shift our WTF moments and finding the lesson instead saves us time and mental energy. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship. 